is going on, everybody? John Stanek from Johnny Radio here with another episode of the So You Think You Know podcast, where I talk to artists, musicians, and all sorts of interesting people. And this next guest is a very special individual to me. He's a writer, a musician, a philosopher, a political activist, a world traveler, and just a great guy to have a conversation with, along with some coffee and pizza on the side, which has become a ritual of ours. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jake Watson. It's like to see you soon, man. We got to do uh, pizza and coffee and uh, <laughs> and maybe some music too, man. It's been a while. So our... Uh, Blind wisdom. Are we wrote like two songs basically a long time ago? Yeah, <laughs> on, I know. On I, average, we write two songs per decade, right? Yes. <laughs> hey, that's fine. Song. We'll have a whole album by the time we die. So yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we we point. did. Um, what was what do we call that other little project that we did? Like maybe two things where you sent me some like electronic stuff. And I just did spoken word. I forget what that was called. I have those demos somewhere. Yeah, um, yeah. I just remember like uh, one of the songs being the color blue, like yeah, in the title or something. I don't remember. But um, I'll have to look it up. An offshoot of Perfect Winter Blue, perhaps. But are are you playing any music at all, or uh... a little bit? I so. I mean, it's going on three months now on my birthday, actually went on a nice little bike ride, took, took the day off, hit a pothole and sprained my wrist, uh, which, you know, whatever, that's fine, but it's going on three months and it's still giving me trouble. Um, it's not on the daily, but every time I pick up my guitar, it's just the angle that I, you know, hold my left hand over my guitar. Um, it, it makes guitar playing kind of funky. So that's, you know, I, I still pick it up probably every day just to jam things I know, but it doesn't sound great. My hand is still pretty weak, um, and I'm certainly not doing anything where I'm writing or or anything. And I, I do miss it. I've been, I've felt more inspired lately than I have been, but I can't play, so it's kind of catch you know twenty two <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, I hear you, man. Well, I hope that heals up. I mean. Yeah, you gotta keep an eye on that. You never know uh, with things, but um, but yeah, you seem like to have a, just a very not just busy life, but also well diversified and I would say balanced. Um, do you feel that's kind of the case or no? I think it's the case in some ways. Um, the past year, in particular, I think has been really good. I've been really lucky especially compared to folks who've gotten sick or who lost jobs or family members. Um, so I've been really lucky in that sense. I do think missing Atlanta, Georgia uh, has only heightened <laughs> over the past year because we've been stuck inside. Um, so, you know, working from home is certainly a, a privilege, but it, it makes it hard to turn off, I think, at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't complain. And as things are starting to open up, I'm definitely trying to be busier outside of work and outside of, um, the stuff I kind of need to do, but you know, getting there. Yeah. yeah. If you'd asked me maybe three months ago, I would have said absolutely not, but <laughs> yeah. I, I do think we're inching towards progress. 
That's cool, man. Are you doing any uh, writing these days? Like just, uh, you know, freestyle writing, poetry, anything? Like I should. I, I can lie to you and say yes, but no, not like I should. Uh, when, when the job search goes away um, and the house search goes away, I think so. I've, there are a few lines that, I mean, going on two or three years that I still kick around um, probably weekly. And I'm excited to eventually put those down and, and have something. Um, but really the last, I mean, you know, probably the last four or five years I have not written. There was a time when I was writing three or four pieces a week. Yeah. Um, and that has not been the case for the past four or five years. So ready to get back into that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I can encourage you in any way, I mean, I know <laughs> initially going back to like when we met, when you were still, I guess, uh, in your teenage years and, uh, I, I read some of your writings and I was just like blown away. I know that's not changed or if anything gotten better. So even if you're just journaling your, uh, your adventures these days, I think it would be great. I will certainly do so for you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. But, um, but yeah, man. So last time that we talked on zoom was like, I, I want to say it was like a week before the, uh, January 6th attack or so. Yeah. And we were more or less, um, predicting it in a way uh if <laughs> yeah. i recall well like <laughs> reluctantly saying uh i hope there's not violence that's about to happen yeah um but yeah we were pretty much right on i think yeah i think so i forgot we talked maybe the day or two before um yeah and that feels like a century ago at this point um, <laughs> i know I mean, right this, this whole year um yeah i mean what a crazy time. And, and for things to still be the way that they are talked about the way that they are. I mean, COVID aside, obviously that's a huge, huge factor. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sad. It's frustrating. It's also, I I've certainly swung back the other way now that Trump's out. I'm, I can kind of pretend to forget about him and just be anti-Biden, uh, which is also its own, excitement in a way but it's even more frustrating because i'm like my bar was so low my bar was on the ground for biden and he's still failing miserably in so many ways i mean is is he the lesser of two evils yes i think so but i also don't necessarily think the situation here or the situation politically in terms of uh abroad but also at home I guess that first point I was, you know, I, I mean, the, the polarization, but I don't think that's getting any better. And I don't know if we have much hope for that to get any better. And um, I mean, six, seven months from now, we're going to start talking about the midterms, you know, uh, it's not like this goes away for any significant amount of time. Yeah. Um, yeah. If anything, the polarization, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily that it's worse, but it, it definitely doesn't feel like it's going away anytime soon or for sure Biden hasn't done anything to help that um, or student loan debt or many other things, I guess, but uh, (laughs) any sleep on that. What can you do? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one thing that I guess has always been the case and it's, 
this isn't a left versus right thing or yeah. conservatives versus liberals or Democrats versus Republicans. Um, but like, it's all ridiculous. It's all theater in so many ways, um, at least on the national stage. But the cartooniness of Republicans the last 10, 15 years with the catchphrases and the like capitalizing and giving everyone little nicknames, Sleepy Joe. Uh, it's <laughs> yes. very fun in a, a way that I hate so much, but it's just a train wreck every single day. I mean, yeah. I cannot block, I cannot uh, hide enough. And I don't want to. I miss, you know, I miss Trump being on Twitter. I've got to be honest. Um, and I still pull up Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates and all these idiots, Ben Shapiro, just to see what they have to say about every little tiny thing. Um, and I guess it, I guess That's it part does of the sickness me, in a way, like, you know, we, we really, everybody for better or worse, got addicted to the circus of it all. I think, you know, yeah, some for sure. Form or another. And, and I do think, I guess going back to the Biden thing, I think it's, it's easier to externalize on someone you absolutely disagree with. Uh, than someone who's a bit closer to you. Uh, maybe that's why moderates bother me so much. <laughs> it's because I'm like, I agree with you halfway. Um, but, you know, it's sometimes it's, it's nice to have a villain. And, but, but it so also would you be happier what, what if Bernie in. Sanders uh, was was in office? Do you think? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, who knows what that would look like? Who knows? I mean, you know, him coming out this past week, um, kind of walking back some of the stuff in Israel and Gaza. Um, I get it. You have to cater politically. Um, I'm not naive in that sense. A um, little disappointing, but, you know, I, I like him. I don't agree with everything he does, um, but I do think he has shown himself to stick to what he says in a way that Trump certainly never did. Um, and someone like Biden or Obama have not proven themselves to either. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's no politician that is perfect. And I don't want to put anyone on a pedestal, but I would love it to be Bernie. And that's yeah. not going to happen. So no, I, I yeah. hear you, man. I, like as far as as many years to be consistent on your principles uh, that he definitely fits the bill. It's just. You know, so much of politics feels like compromise is inevitable on so many things. But I don't know. I mean, you, you've been more involved in politics tangibly than I ever have. And um, in this past year, just being on the front lines, literally, um, what, what have you seen or, or how, how do you feel like you've grown in your political activism well, um, I, I guess I wouldn't necessarily think I've been on the, the front lines in any real significant way, but I do think the past year, and really, I mean, I, I have to give credit to my friend Yami going back to 2012, 2013, I guess, uh, college, but, um, you know, the last few years in particular have been so important to just educate myself and listen to other opinions and other ways of framing things. 
And I think that that word of frame of perspective is so important when we talk about these things. We can talk about facts, we can talk about statistics, um, whatever that might be. But when we talk about capital T truth, right? Um, facts, that's not what a fact is. A fact can be true, but it is not necessarily truth, capital T, whatever, you know, this ideal. And perspective is part of that. So listening to voices that are not like my own and coming to realize that as, <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't want to go all the way down the privilege conversation if, if you know, unless we want to, but, you know, uh, as a straight white male, whatever, um, grew up Protestant Christian in the South, like as privileged as you can get in many ways, granted, I have plenty of other things that are, go against that as well, of course, just like we all do. Uh, but to realize that just because my perspective seems like the default and is treated like it's the default, it's not the default. And goodness and um, just not even goodness, but beauty and love can be found outside of that. So learning from, you know, my gay friends or trans friends or black friends or immigrant friends um, has been really enlightening, but I, I certainly can't say I've been on the front lines of anything. Um, I would, <laughs> I, I hope to be more involved as I come back to Atlanta. I mean, that's, that's one area that I'm looking for jobs. Um, of course, it's hard to get experience without experience. That's always the struggle. Sure. But if I can find something where I'm, I'm making some form of difference, whether that's just voter enfranchisement and empowerment. Um, and, and, and again, it's not about agreeing with people, but it's about respecting other perspectives, including those that I disagree with, but actually validating them uh, in, a, in a real significant way. And I think that is where the Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, whatever, those conversations miss so much of that because from both sides, it is so much of like, my perspective is right. And we just need to reframe it to every perspective is a real valid perspective. And let's, let's have all of these voices at the table and see what can actually happen with that. Um, so I hope to be more on the front lines going forward, but certainly can't say I have been yeah, we'll see. No, that's awesome, man. And I, I'm so proud of you for uh, everything you're doing, but also just, and, you know, I've always just loved having conversations with you that always delve into uh, both the political <laughs> and the, the spiritual and everything in between. But um, I think in politics, yeah, there's always an agenda being in, involved from either side. And no matter how much they're trying to do the right thing, there's not enough of that listening component. And if we all just listen to one another, like on a personal level, especially, you know, wh whether you agree with the other person or not, I think eventually you come to some form of understanding. Right. For sure. Um, I, <laughs> I think as I get older, I've come back around Maybe, I mean, you know, TED Talks are a secular version of this, right? But I've come back around on the sermon. Um, I really appreciate the art of the sermon and kind of some of those stereotypes or, or um, motifs that happen. 
Um, so this just came to me, but I want to clarify that I'm not trying to sermonize. Um, but for me, I think the difference there is performance versus transformance. Um, and catchy, right? But nonetheless, yeah. I think we focus so much on performance, on performing our values, performing for our loved ones or the people who uh, pay us and who we are indebted to, uh, our voter base, whatever it might be. Um, but we don't focus enough on that transformative aspect of community, of seeing people as people. Um, but that's just me. That's just, that's just preacher Jake. So that, that brings up a really good point, man. Cause yeah, I mean, everybody, uh, to some degree is really enslaved to themselves, uh, or their jobs or whatever that they've kind of built around their lives. So it's like, yeah, how much good can you really be doing for others? If first of all, you know, so much of our own lives is based on selfishness. I mean, I, I take credit for that. And the way of the world is just so much based on that, even self-help uh, to a degree. But it's hard to just break out of that and look around in your own backyard and like see that there's other people that need help or can you can just be a friend to. It's like it does feel like a very isolated time. Yeah. I mean, isolated and more connected than ever. I think that is the 21st century and COVID is just uh, the, the heightened version of that. I don't know. I, I try and be an optimist when it comes to that. I, I try to think and look for the ways in which um, there is connection. But yeah, I mean, we are also very isolated and as someone excited to move back to Atlanta uh, because I do feel a bit isolated out here, I guess I, I do agree with you probably more so uh, on, on worse days, but um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see no, what happens. Yeah, I, I mean, guess. technology I is great. You is. know, I mean the fact that we can do this in the meantime, but I'm, I'm really psyched and I think it's right. going to be great. Like as things do open up uh, you know, we can be in community and we can, hang out and, uh, you know, see some great music together. Um, any, any recent music that, uh, you've heard that you can give me some tips on? So I haven't gotten enough, actually, I don't even think the album's out. Um, but it, I think he's a new artist. I think it's his first album. Dwayne, have you heard anything from this guy? No. Dwayne. I think the album is called that? Stains. I want to say. Okay. Uh, it's D E apostrophe W A Y N E. Oh, okay. Um, but he, it, it's a really interesting, like dancey, catchy mix of rap and power pop punk. Uh, it's but it's very dancey, very fun. Um, I I'm bad at kind of evoking similarities in terms of other artists, but I was jamming out a bit to that today. Um, I mean, I love the new Manchester album. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's so good. Um, definitely ready to see those guys live again. Oh yeah, uh, I'm I'm excited for live music more than anything. Honestly, um, I have tickets to see Julian Baker in September in Atlanta after we move, and I'm also going out with Ian uh, yeah. to uh, 
Furnace Fest in Birmingham, see Showbread and Me Without You. What? Uh, 68, I'll get out, take Max Sunday. Like it's, it's going to be great. Uh, but oh, Showbread, awesome. of course, I would die for them. So oh, of course, yeah, <laughs> uh, that is very exciting. Yeah, that's great. Man. I'm very excited for that. Have you heard of uh, Teddy Swims? He's got yeah, pretty so, big lately. Yeah. Have you seen the music video where he's a wrestler? No, no, I haven't seen. Did that you one. see the, the, the? I don't know the song. Um, I mean, it's a single he's put out in the last two or three months. But yeah. my cousin is the the other wrestler in that music video so what? Oh, um, wow. Small which world, is hilarious man. i mean my cousin wrestles yeah okay my cousin wrestles so i guess somehow through friends of friends um he's he's interesting i i need to check out more of his stuff i listened to that song and again i'm not sure what the uh, title was and maybe a few others but he has a great voice it's a really oh, yeah. cool I, I mean and if you look at him like you don't <laughs> you would expect not that voice coming him. from him exactly yeah <laughs> he's good though no yeah he just uh releases ep and uh it's really good but especially the song till i change your mind which um for a poppy song that's as catchy and upbeat as it is to have such like a uh a profound and deep message about what we were just talking about connecting with people and like you know loving everybody as they should be uh th that's a really cool track to check out if you haven't heard it nice. so yeah promoting some music here on johnny radio <laughs> i mean you are the go-to guy for that i <laughs> feel like there's nothing out there that you have not listened to let alone like have uh, some sort of an opinion on out there like already ah uh, no i i think that's i don't know man i feel like i'm more in a box but uh <laughs> But no, I try to, especially in my uh, older age here. I'm trying to like, you know, get a little bit outside of my um, classic rock upbringing and, and listen to a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you're more current than, I mean, probably Ian, let's be honest, but <laughs> I feel like there's no artist I could bring to you that you have not heard and, and jammed out to or... Or like Taylor Swift has been like, eh, it's okay, which I still cannot believe uh, you were not converted by folklore, but that is okay. I'll, I'll, I'll get there. I don't know what it is. Like, I know I don't put her in the same category as what I call the Biebers, but she's definitely broken out of that a long time ago. And yeah. uh, she's always been, uh, you know, I respect her as a singer songwriter, but yeah. just nothing has grabbed me yet. So yeah. I, and I don't know enough about the, uh, the producers. One of the producers, though, he's with the National and the other guy's with Bleachers. Oh, right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, they, she's they working do good. With good people. Mm -hmm, for sure. What about uh, movies? There, there really hasn't been a whole lot, obviously, but. Um... We, what did we see recently? We, so we, we were fans of movie pass before that burned uh crashed and burned which everyone saw coming i don't know if you kept up at all with that drama no um yeah just look it up they were a company that was like watch all the movies you want for ten dollars a month and basically they paid it out like a gym membership assuming that most people would not use you know, oh, wow. more so they, than like, one they ticket. Bernie Madoff, the, the yes. movie pass industry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that, that was probably 2018. 
uh, and they kind of died halfway through 2019 in a really sketchy way where they were reactivating people's accounts halfway through. They'd like shut down without any notice um, on all their subscribers. But after that happened, uh, AMC, Regal, all these theater companies created their own sustainable versions of these where you could pay you know, a monthly or yearly fee and yeah. watch however many movies you want. But it was not $10 a month, uh, a little bit more than that. And it was more specific to like a 2D movie at an AMC. So there was some control, but we, we did an annual one of those right before COVID started. So that has been on pause for a good 14 months. Yeah. Uh, and that has come back around now that we're vaccinated. We did go see nobody, which has, um, <laughs> yes, we saw that. It was basically taken with Bob Odenkirk, uh, you know, the classic old guy who's been out of the biz has to go back in as a, you know, assassin. Yeah. Um, we just wanted to get back into the movies cause we, we love doing that. We were the only ones there. I, we also had to use my Chili's gift card that I got in December, 2019. So nice. as soon as we'd been vaccinated for three weeks each, we were like, let's do this. So, um, cool. but yeah, I mean, we've been doing a lot of TV, like most people, a lot of streaming TV. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So nobody, that, that was fun. I like, I love how Christopher Lloyd at the end of the movie says something like, that was a bit excessive. And that that's how <laughs> that kind of summed up that movie for me. But yes, uh, that was to be expected, of course. But oh, yeah, for um, sure. I don't know if I could recommend it, but um, The Father was really great with Anthony Hopkins. Um, oh, yeah. Your dementia. Um, you got to like kind of set aside a day for that uh, mm -hmm. to be like emotionally <laughs> prepared because uh, it, it'll mess you up, man. But he was amazing, of course. And what's cool is the way it's directed. It kind of puts you like inside the mind of him, which is wild. Like for half the movie, you're not sure what's going on. Um, yeah. So it's really like frightening. It's almost like a horror movie and uh, a very upsetting drama. <laughs> <laughs> so like uh, Requiem for a Dream kind of, ah, uh, you know. But not that yeah. bad, but you know. Sure, sure, sure. But so you, you watch it, you probably won't watch it again, but you're glad you watch it still. I guess so, yeah. It just <laughs> it makes me very sad and depressed about, um, like, I, I feel like that would be the worst way to uh, spiral down in old age. Oh, for I, sure. I'd rather, like, get eaten by a shark or something, I think. So. Yeah, something quick when you're in your prime, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's the Kurt Cobain quote, right? Well, I guess he stole it. I don't remember who he stole it from, but the uh, better to burn out than fade away. I mean, I'm I'm with you there, though. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I'll I'll check that out. Um, I mean, he he won uh, best actor for that, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Oh, the uh, yeah. the other one um, that Chadwick Boseman, everyone was saying he was going to win for, was really good too. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I watched that. Oh yeah. So, um, yep. yeah, he was amazing, but. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of Cobain, that was kind of like the music that you and I bonded over um, instantaneously, right? Yeah, like I, I went so. through my CD case and saw <laughs> Nevermind in there. That's right. Yeah, which of course is such low-hanging fruit. Who doesn't <laughs> have a Nevermind CD? Probably, of course. Um, but I mean, nonetheless, still 
you know, all time greatest uh, albums specifically, but bands. Um, and I don't know if I've ever told you, but I remember being like 11, 10. I don't know. I was so young. It could have been even before that, but I was in Royal Rangers, which is basically Pentecostal Boy Scouts uh, for, I think, Church of God. I don't know. One like a small, small, super Pentecostal evangelical sect. Um, and I remember being on a camping trip. I had to be in elementary school, maybe sixth grade. I don't even think I was in sixth grade. And I remember lecturing Commander Blake was his name about how Kurt Cobain did not commit suicide. Courtney Love killed him because he could not have had that much heroin in his system. I, I still can imagine it to this day. And I am bad at memories. I'm just, I don't yeah, have yeah. like super vivid memories like that. And right. I, I can still see him. And now as an adult, probably around his age, I mean, he had to be 30, early 30s. So I'm getting there. And now I can see in his expression as I'm, you know, looking across the fire in my memory of just like eyes glazed over, like, I cannot believe this 10 year old is lecturing me on the lethal dose of morphine <laughs> and how Courtney Love assassinated Kurt Cobain. Uh, but, that's awesome, yeah. man. That, that's great. <laughs> did, did you ever watch that, uh, that documentary the guy made about that, like, goes with that conspiracy theory essentially i i think that one was kurt and courtney maybe Uh, i mean there were a bunch yeah (laughs) but i i read a lot obviously at the time i don't think i ever watched that particular documentary i do think i I mean i read a bunch of biographies and and uh books about it and i it may I, i i know the one you're talking about and i know the the particular journalist who basically he's pretty much responsible for why that theory has got so popular and is right. still carrying on to this day. I'm sure his website is still live and updated like oh, yeah. monthly <laughs> at this point, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, whether it, you know, she actually went that far or not, there's no doubt that uh, emotionally, you know, she had a big part in that. Uh, I'm sure. But oh, sure. Uh, Sure. And there's also no doubt that not that, I mean, if he was murdered, he was murdered and that's horrible. Um, But there also should be no denial that if he didn't kill himself, he probably would have, I mean, he, he was messed up and and needed a lot of help and didn't get it. Um, Yeah. Yeah, And I mean, it was just like weeks before that, you know, he was rushed to the hospital and in Rome or uh, wherever it was where he OD'd. So yeah, all the signs yeah. were there, I guess. But, uh, but man, so you really grew up in the church, man, like at a young age, yep. from as early as you can remember? Pretty much. Um, I mean, you know, my mom had my brother and I mm-hmm. when she was 19. And, uh, you know, she, I think, quickly decided to get her life together or whatever not that it was in shambles or anything but I mean she was a young 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 mom of two twins um so I think going back to church I don't know when exactly that happened but certainly as long as I can remember 
we were going to church on Sundays and doing youth group on Wednesdays. Uh, we did the Pentecostal small town. It, literally, the church was called Evangel. So, um, you know, small town, evangelical, Pentecostal, speaking in tongues. I remember being so jealous about people who could speak in tongues. I can still see my brother and my cousin doing it. And we were like, we were in fourth grade, third grade, uh, and they were touched by the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And I couldn't get there. Um, and then, of course, by the time we got to middle school, um, probably the Fleshman's bringing us to 12 Stone or somebody trying to get us a little bit closer and, and doing the mega church thing uh, mm-hmm. through through high school. Um, but yeah, a lot, of, a lot of church growing up. So how much of that would you say has stuck with you? Like, like I know that you don't take everything verbatim from the Bible, for example, but church-wide, I, I guess, where, where are you now, uh, do you feel like, <laughs> in your spiritual walk? It's an interesting question because the older I get and the, the further I get away from that, Pentecostal upbringing and the mega church uh, thing, the more and more important that stuff becomes to me. Um, I also know if you sat me in the room, probably, I mean, with many of my own family members and plenty of others, um, they would absolutely condemn me as an atheist heretic um, who, you know, wolf in sheep's clothing kind of thing. Um but that's only become more and more important to me. Language is important. It's not always important. And I can get distracted by semantics. So when you ask that, you know, I want to push back on spiritual journey or whatever it might be, some of the, the word choice. Right. But I mean, the truth is like, I, I grew up Christian and I will never not be Christian. Even if I don't believe in God, then you're a Christian atheist. You can't divorce yourself from that worldview um, I mean, there are Jewish atheists and Buddhist atheists and Hindu atheists, but um, I certainly can't divorce myself from that. And I, I wouldn't use the word atheist to describe my religion. Um, but I, a lot of people use spiritual, but not religious. I actually like religious, but not spiritual mm-hmm. um, for, for a couple of different reasons. Um, but the Christian story, that narrative of Christ, um, and the Jewish narrative, honestly, um, really intrigues me. It really compels me. I, I am not convinced Christendom post Constantine. So we're talking 1600 years, um, is Christ-like at all. Uh, the, the religion of Caesar and of empire is not the religion of Yeshua from Nazareth. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's complicated. I think many, many people condemn me and burn me at the stake if they could. <laughs> um, but yeah. you feel you like know, it's been like wa- too watered down over so much time. Yes. I, I also think watered down or just misses the point altogether. Um, mm-hmm. Watered down, yeah. Uh, for sure. And I think especially Western Christendom, post-liberal uh, theology, 
Schleiermacher, unless I'm misnaming my philosophers and theologians. Uh, there's a lot of good things about so-called liberal theology, um, which is not liberal Democrat, right? It's um, just a different approach to theology, but um, certainly watered down to an extent. But I also think it just misses it. I, I think if you don't read the story of Christ or, again, the Jewish uh, heritage of that, if you don't read that politically and not politically voting booth, but politically mm-hmm. um, flesh and bone Judaism and Christianity by extension are flesh and bone religions. And if we get so stuck in this spiritual warfare thing or this escape plan, this ticket to heaven theology, we are missing the point entirely. The kingdom of God is within you and um, it is here, you know, whatever that means, we can talk all we want about that, but it is here. It is not a prayer. It is not, I hope it's a place we go when we die. You know, I very much hope there's something. Um, I don't know about a place (laughs) and I don't know about when, I don't know if time and and space, these these words and concepts apply necessarily, but I certainly hope um, there's something, but yeah, I I think there's something greater than us. I just think it misses the point, not even just a little, but entirely. If we don't Mm -hmm. get that we are talking about flesh and bone, we are talking about your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, so we're talking about earth. We're talking about here. No, challenge I, I me mean, if you want though. <laughs> no, that, that's absolutely. And, you know, in this last year, especially, I feel like we have not necessarily been disconnected from church. We've been doing a lot of online church at various ones, but, and getting even more involved in uh, reading, especially in the gospels, And in doing so, it it is interesting to see that Jesus Christ was, I mean, everything that he did was just based on helping his fellow man, whether it was through a miracle or his just teaching or. So right now, you know, we're coming back to Atlanta. Very exciting. Kinsey is going into a nursing program, but eventually the hope her eventual plan is to be a midwife, which is very exciting. Perhaps though, in between that and between her undergrad and getting her MS in nursing for midwifery, um, we've talked about maybe sending me back to school finally. Um, And I don't know where that would be, but right now I'm thinking that would be to go into a theology, a theology space, uh, possibly in particular, there's a program at Vanderbilt in Nashville where this professor, Jörg Reiger works. And, um, but the, the specialty, I guess, or the, the focus rather is theology and economic justice. And that, that right now to me is doing work there. That's what needs to happen. Um, economic justice. I mean, that that's race, that's class, that's, sex and sexuality that's so many things um but in particular i mean i'm i'm currently halfway through acts um i don't know if i told you that but i i read the tanakh uh the old testament this january february march uh actually a jewish translation not that it's all that different um from like the niv or the nsrv right um but I, I did read that new translation to me just to kind of change it up and have a slightly different perspective. 
uh, alongside in, in the Hebrew order, I guess, the Tanakh, the order of the Tanakh, which is a little bit different than how Christians order the Old Testament. Um, and then read the deuterocanonical books, so the Catholic extra books, books like Tobit and Judith, Ecclesiastes, a few others that are Old Testament E, but they were never um, promoted to canon. Uh, they're not canon in Judaism, but Martin Luther and Martin Luther kicked them out for that reason. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm about halfway through Acts right now. I'm reading a translation by David Bentley Hart of the New Testament. He's a Eastern Orthodox scholar. It is not like a casual reading translation. Well, that's not to say it's complicated, but it's not necessarily beautiful. <laughs> it doesn't have the the snappiness as or the memory, you know, the memory quality as the King James does, or as the NIV or whatever. Um, but it's pretty interesting. And again, just to change it up and read it in a way that I've never read it before. But I'm yeah. about halfway through Acts, um, and I'm enjoying that. I will say this: uh, I think Christendom would be entirely different had they just ordered the Gospels differently. <laughs> had they ordered it as they should have, I think. Well, I get why they put John at the end because it's just so weird. Um, But if they had done Mark, Matthew, John, Luke, and then straight into Acts, I think it would have changed Christian theology completely, truly. Uh, Because Mark and Luke, beginning and ending on those, these are the fleshy books. Those are the ones that are political. Those are the ones that are real and in this moment. And the Jesus of John and the Jesus of Matthew are just a little bit more in the clouds. You know, the theology there is just a little bit more after life and a little bit more, um, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, he says in Matthew. But in Luke, it's blessed are the poor moving on. Um, So sometimes I do kind of fantasize like, man, if only we just changed up the order of the canon just a little bit. See, this is how I know you are destined to be a theologian, if that <laughs> is a uh, a career these days. Uh, because like in the same way, I do this kind of thing with albums where I'm like, there, <laughs> yeah. there's only a certain number of perfect albums which are right behind me. Uh, there are some that are near perfect, but if they just like, you know, put this song in the right order or took this one out, it would be perfect. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Sequencing is important. They should also just kick out Revelation. It's a fun read, but does not make any sense theologically. Um, yeah. And evangelicals really like Revelation, even though it has nothing to do with 1500 years of like, of uh, sa- I'm not even going to say it, but the study of salvation, literally 1500 years, no one touched Revelation. They just said, this is a weird book. It's kind of cool. It's got some dragons. We are not going to look at it for doctrine for it was debated for hundreds of years. Should it even be there? They eventually decided, yeah, sure. It's fine. We'll keep it in there. We'll keep, you know, second Peter in there as well. Third John, these books that like people were like, ah, we don't really know. They probably but, uh, looked at it like a rock album. They were like, man, this is like some really wild stuff with some dragons. And uh, this is like the the end by the doors. This is a perfect way to end this thing. But uh, it's So if you me, were the church of Nicaea, what would you have done? <laughs> would you have edited more out or would you have put more in? I I think I would have put more in maybe. I mean, 
you know, I mean, that's a whole conversation, right? Are we talking inspiration or was it God speaking literally through these people or were they inspired by the Holy Spirit? Is it inerrant? Um, yeah. There's so many conversations there. And I mean, you could probably guess my perspective on these, right? So I'm uh, certainly, again, burn me at the stake and that's fine. I'm, I don't care all that much, but I, I love the fact that the Jewish and Christian traditions have conflicting, and I mean that, conflicting, contradictory narratives and theologies within their sacred texts. Because to me, that points to a God, a higher reality, whatever. And I, I'm very comfortable using the word God. Um, that points to a God that is willing to be wrestled with, a God that is not concerned about doctrine more so than being a good person. And that doesn't mean I think acts will get you into heaven or whatever, but, um, you know, I, I always think, and again, I just read this, uh, Stephen, right? The first Christian martyr, did he have the doctrine of the Trinity down? I don't think so. Did he have the correct doctrine of hell is hell eternal uh, are we annihilationists and and we just disappear eventually are we universalists and everyone eventually goes to heaven after purgatory i i don't think stephen uh in the context of the story it it suggests he probably didn't have any theologies when it right. came to hell when it came to salvation probably when it came to jesus christ uh you know People argued over the nature of Christ. It's Christology, right? Is, is Christ equal with God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit? I mean, the Eastern Orthodox and Catholic Church, they split based on this, based on, you know, a thousand years. Half of the time we've had Christianity, they split based on a couple of things. But one of the, the differences is, does the Holy Spirit come from the Father or the Father and the Son? It's semantics, right? It's silly. Um, yeah. Are we saying that Stephen, the first martyr, had all that right? Or are we saying whatever God we're saying he believed in cared a little bit more about something else other than correct doctrine? I'm okay with being wrong, but I'm also assuming that if I walk into heaven, which I kind of don't think is a real place. I mean, again, very much hoping there's something don't know if I would use the word place for it, but I very much hope that if I walk into the pearly gates and that there's a banquet table, which is what I always thought as a kid, because it's always like this feast, right? And I'm like, crap, man, they were all right. Like this, this picture, this is it. It wasn't something more Buddhist or Hindu. It wasn't something more Jewish. It's like this, we're literally on clouds wearing robes, playing harps for, for all of eternity. Yeah. I am confident enough that if God looks anything like the picture of Christ we have, he will be okay with that. And he'll say, oh man, sorry, you're a little bit wrong. You know, and, and that's the thing is, um, you know, we call God the father. I think it's great to think of God as mother as well. I think it's got great to think of God in, in many different ways. Um, but if we like to use that parental mindset um we need to be serious about it and we need to say okay as a parent do you forgive your kids when they screw up 
as a as a parent, are you okay with them being wrong about some things? Sure. And I think, especially evangelicals, we like to just shrug it off and say, oh, his ways are greater than ours. But I think that is not doing uh, Christian work. I think it's painting God as ourselves and pretending that, oh, it's just too complicated. You wouldn't understand. Uh, but that's just me. I mean, I could be going to hell soon, but that's another thing. <laughs> no, man, I, I definitely do not uh, <laughs> think that you are. But, um, dude, I just love talking to you, man. It's always <laughs> enlightening. And um, so when you say uh, Christian works, like, you know, because it sounds like you're very much of the thought that Christianity uh, in the here and now should be action. And uh, so what, what do you view as what should people be doing versus being used to sitting in a pew or whatever, you know, sure. and, and taking in a sermon? You know, I don't, I don't want to down on, on the sermons and the pews. For all I can say about church, I think there's beauty in I think there's beauty in liturgy, and I think that's just me maybe rebelling against evangelical Protestantism. But, you know, when we were going to church before COVID, uh, we were going up to an Episcopal church, you know, so not a pastor wearing jeans and a T-shirt. And that that's also fine, too. I, I love low church as well. Uh, Pentecostalism, I think, is great because it's mysticism from the mouths of jean-wearing good old boys sometimes. And I think that's beautiful as well. And I think the, the hierarchy of liturgical settings has its own issues. Um, so, but I certainly don't want to down religious settings at all. Um, but yeah, what does that mean? Uh, what are good works, right? I don't think good works get us into heaven, but I do think good works help define the meaning of our lives. And when I say good works, I don't mean not sinning. And I don't mean adding points to our scorecard, but I do think it's as simple as love. Uh, you shall like, you know, you shall be known for the love that you give and provide and receive in this world. Um, what does that look like? I don't know because I, what I don't want to do is act like the, you know, democratic socialist agenda is the Christian agenda or anything like that. Um, I do think our political voices, our democratic voices here in the states, and democratic in the low lowercase d way, right, of just voting, not necessarily a political party. Uh, I think that's important, but I think what that means more practically and more basically is having that conversation across your dinner table with someone who looks different than you. Um, or at the checkout line at the grocery store, being in relationship with people, uh, being in relationship with yourself and embracing who you are, not, that's not hedonism, that's not an embrace of selfishness. Uh, there's so many ways that this can be painted. And I'm not saying don't try and be a better person. Don't try, you know, do whatever you want. But I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's, it's so hard to answer. And I don't want to get on a soapbox and say, vote this way or accept people. But I do think at a very basic level, it does mean don't be sexist, don't be racist, don't be homophobic. And there's so many isms and um, 
we can talk about cancel culture or woke culture or whatever. I don't want to go down that route of stereotyping this and diluting it. No, but, but it, it all it's comes down to really, love, right? I mean, like you said. Sure. Yeah. Well, and a, and a part of that is also being humble, right? It's being willing to admit when you're wrong and also admit when you just differ. Um, you just differ and that sometimes that's okay. Sometimes it's okay to just have a different perspective, a different approach to something and you shake hands, maybe not after COVID and that's fine with me, but you shake hands and call it a day. And maybe you don't leave that comment on someone's Twitter feed or something, but, or you don't give the finger to someone as you pass them, which I have troubles with um, myself, but uh, that's just me behind the car. You know, it's all cars out there. They're not human beings, but right. right. No, but humility is so important, man. And I've, I've been learning that more and more. Uh, and I mean, blessed are the meek, right? And I mean, just that whole, all of those that, that keep going, they all center around uh, humility. And I mean, in my experience, you know, that where I've had like real encounters with God, it's, it's always been about me being desperate for God, being obedient, being humble, and being open to the experience. Otherwise, I don't think um, if you're not open or looking for it or listening, you would even have that ability. For sure. Um, And, you know, I'll say this. um, I I am not a prayer. Uh, I never was. Uh, I mean, when I was more churchy, I've just, I have hard time with that not because i have any issues with it but honestly it's attention span thing (laughs) maybe more than anything Uh, i'm bad at meditating i'm bad at just being quiet in my thoughts Uh, so prayer has always been a difficulty and then i think nowadays my metaphysics might challenge some of that but if we define prayer as something more than talking to god in our heads or whatever, which I don't want to disparage that at all. But if we define prayer as a way of being in life, a way of living that kingdom come, then I'm all about it. That is what we should be doing. We should be Mm -hmm. in constant prayer in constant communion with the universe, which is God um, in in so many ways. Um, We can personify that. And I think there's beauty and, and a lot of help there, but we can also find beauty and we can find God in literally everything. Um, I mean, we, we have gotten so much joy out of the bird feeder on our window uh, this past year. Uh, maybe we got it. It might've been my birthday. It might've been Christmas 2019, but we have a clear bird feeder that's just stuck to our window right outside of our dining room table and the birds beautiful love the cardinals love the bluebirds um even the creepy eye guy as we call them we love the birds but more than anything we love the squirrels oh um, yeah they're so fun to watch scrappy. yeah we got creepy crappy we got jack black we got uh, a whole bunch of other that's awesome yeah and and it's adorable it's so cute scrappy scrappy is wonderful she had a litter 
this time last year, she has had a one, maybe two other litters since. We know who she is because she has a little slit in her ear. Uh, so we like have ID'd this, this squirrel. And for the past 16 months, she has been our buddy. And it's ridiculous yeah. to say, but I mean, that that is communion with life. And if that's not God, then I, I don't know what that is. Dude, um, you're speaking my language squirrel, but as always, yeah. I mean, uh, same thing with <laughs> us. We've, we've had a bird feeder out on our back porch for uh, the last couple of years. And now I also put one outside my window at work because I just love them so much. And my favorite Bible verse happens to be Matthew 6, 25, um, which, you know, the whole thing about why do you worry the birds of the air, they know right. uh, they'll be fed and much longer story, uh, specific reasons. It was just one of those things where that verse kept coming up literally like four times in 24 hours. And it's for me, sure. that's one of my things. Like I worry a lot and that's, I just need that yeah. reminder. And so I always think about that uh, when I see them on top of the fact that it's just so fun to watch the beauty of nature. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's awesome, man. If I had to distill down uh, the new Testament, right. Should not be John three sixteen. I Paul, he's fine. Whatever. Have issues with him. Um, I like the Corinthians thing, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Um, but Matthew is great for one reason, and that's because I mean you have a few intro chapters. Yes, some genealogies. Skip all that. Whatever. It opens basically with the Sermon on the Mount, and if that that's all we need, that is yeah. all we need. I yeah. mean, there's there's great stuff elsewhere. Um, but if we could just boil it down to blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, what you just said, Matthew six, um, I mean, that's all sermon on the Mount. I mean, it goes on and on, but you read that and that you're set. And, and you know what, it doesn't have to do with your belief. It doesn't have to do with where you think people go. Uh, it doesn't have to do with the church you attend. It has to do with being a good person and, reversing the power structures of this world. And I can get behind that. Uh, we can argue about what God is or the universe is or whatever, but um, yeah. I can get behind the Sermon on the Mount being oh, absolutely, you know, summary man. of everything. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Jesus was a revolutionary and I think people forget that. Like, you know, like I said earlier, things may have been watered down over time, but uh, yeah, if if we did just whittle it down to the Sermon on the Mount, man, that like you said, that is all we need, and uh, that's awesome, man. Great way to end this conversation, which I it could go on forever for all I care. We got to do this again <laughs> soon, in person soon. Yeah. September, can't wait to see Definitely. you, man. It's all gonna work out. Keep me posted too on on everything. I know it's crazy time searching for a place and, and job and everything, but, um, I'm psyched to see you, man. And, uh, we'll have some coffee, pizza, for sure. And, uh, and coffee, everything. so much pizza. If you have any friends or friends of friends who have a job in Atlanta or a house in Atlanta, let me know. Cardboard box. I mean, I am fine with it. Hey, everybody, if you need but a yes. writer slash musician <laughs> slash philosopher slash political activist exactly. slash world traveler. Oh, 
Uh, I did want to ask uh, anything in, in the books for after moving to Atlanta, obviously next places to travel or. I do hope that this time next year, I will be able to go to Belfast and do this philosophy conference uh, that I just did, but in person in a pub in Northern Ireland. So that is the plan. I, my, my ticket from last year, I just, I haven't gotten a refund. I just said, keep it and I'll use it eventually. So uh, eventually I can't keep doing that, but uh, yeah, hopefully Belfast this time next year. And we would definitely love to go to Italy. So I think when we go together, I think that is also our next place. Nice, man. It's good great. talking to you, man. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll see you in Italy. Uh, Thanks for we'll chatting. See. Yeah, man. And uh, I hope <laughs> yes. to I mean, I could go to Barcelona too. Yes, dude. And meet your uh, alter Jakey ego over there. Meet Spanish Jakey. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So next time I'll be introducing you as a theologian Jakey. So everyone be on <laughs> okay. the lookout. Thanks Sounds for good. the chat, man. Talk to you soon. And I love you. Bye. Love you. Okay, bye.